And I was just sitting here. We've got some of his books in the back. There's like four different, maybe more titles. But let me just read a couple of things off of this. This is called The Vicar of Baghdad, which was his title for a long, long time. Listen to some of these things. Andrew White is one of the tiny handful of people trusted by virtually every side in the complex Middle East. Political and military solutions constantly fail. Andrew offers a different approach, speaking as a man of faith to men of faith. Compassionate and shrewd, gifted in human relationships, he's been deeply involved in the rebuilding of Iraq. His firsthand connections and profound insights make this a, a, a fascinating document. Lord Kerry Clifton, Andrew is truly one of the most remarkable men I've ever encountered. I wholeheartedly recommend this book to your attention. It's an inspirational read. Reverend Nikki Gumbel, I have known Andrew White for many years and great admiration for him as a peacemaker. In the face of personal ill health and threats to his life, he continues his extraordinary work with determination and unrelenting enthusiasm. Not everyone is called to such a ministry, but Andrew acts as if he was born to it. Baroness Amos, Andrew White's commitment to working across faiths to secure peace in the Middle East has resulted in this extraordinary book. It charts not just his bravery, but that of the people of the Middle East who want a fair, more secure, and more just world. It's a lesson to his soul. This is called Older, Younger Brother, The Tragic Treatment of the Jews by the Christians. It says, Andrew Andrew White, didn't know I was going to do this, but Canon Andrew White is one of the foremost Middle East reconcilers in the world today. He's known as a popular lecturer, speaker, preacher. He's a vicar at St. George's Anglican Church, Baghdad. Whilst his work and study very much began in Israel, becoming a prominent scholar in Judaism and Jewish-Christian relations, at the same time he remains intimately involved in major reconciliation projects in Israel, working between Jews, Christians, and Muslims. While in Iraq, he has been instrumental in breaking down sectarian divides between the Sunni and the Shia extremists. He's the president of the Foundation for Relief and Reconciliation in the Middle East. This one is called Andrew White, Faith Under Fire. <laughs> this is from General Sir Richard Dannett. If anyone has truly had their faith pounded in the fiery crucible of conflict, it is Canon Andrew White. His leadership of the Christian community in Baghdad is quite remarkable. For many, his experiences would have produced anger and bitterness, but for him and his congregation, the reaction is just the opposite. Despite our suffering, he writes, we are not miserable but joyful. This book explains why, and it's a compelling reading for people of all faiths to come. Major General Tim Cross, I first met Andrew in Baghdad in 2003, where we both found ourselves under fire, physically and spiritually. I read the lesson at the church the day he reopened it. Whilst in one sense he is no more or less than the rest of us a man called by God to a task, he is nonetheless someone who has followed that call unremittingly. This eminently readable book tells us his extraordinary story in a way that is typical of the man. And finally, this is his newest book. It's called Andrew White, My Journey So Far. This has just been selected as the Christian book of the year. Everywhere. Hallelujah. So that's a good thing. Let me just read one more. This is a, from the Grand Ayatollah Hussein el-Sadar, if that's how you pronounce it in Baghdad. Abuna, which means like father. My father. Abuna Andrew is for us in Iraq, not just a spiritual leader for the Christians. He is the spiritual leader of us all, Iraqis, Sunni, Shia, and others. He stood with us and been our supporter and defender for nearly two decades. When people were too afraid <clears throat> to even come to Iraq, he stayed with us. He is like the Almighty. He will never leave us. However hard the circumstances, he is with us. Rabbi Melchior, chief rabbi of Norway, former member of the Knesset, Canon Andrew White has devoted his life to the true mission of religion, to assist, to comfort, and to save lives of human beings in the most difficult places of conflict. He's a messenger of divine peace in the world and a great friend of the Jewish people, and there's more. So please take advantage of these in the back, if you would, afterwards. And if we can go ahead, guys, or whosoever is going to help me here to pull this stuff out of the way. Yeah, thank you, guys. appreciate it. If we can bring a chair up here, whichever chair. Yeah, 
You want this Bible up here, Julie? Is that what you were saying? I would like it. You would like it. Because I forgot my Bible. You forgot your Bible. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? God says no. <laughs> Let's uh, come and have a seat. Stretch out your hand to Andrew. I did not have the opportunity to pray with you beforehand, Andrew. So if you'd like to come over here wherever you feel comfortable. And we just want to pray for you. Okay, sir. And then I'll hand this mic to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you for the incredible grace that's upon this modern-day hero of faith. I thank you for the humility that he walks in, but I thank you for the great, incredible grace that is upon his life. And something in me tells me, Father, that in reality he's only just begun, that there's so, so, so much more that you're going to use this man to do across this entire world. So we bless him this morning. We thank you that he has total freedom to speak as you guide him in any way he so desires. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And I'll hand you the microphone, sir. Right, before I start, anybody who's heard me before will know I always begin by praying a blessing in Aramaic. It was good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. So, Shimid Baba, Brona, Brocha, Kusha, Ha'alaha, Allahumma'ana. Amen. We bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For the Lord is here, and His Spirit is with us. Well, it's very good being here this morning. I don't like going to boring churches. And this looks quite wacky. <laughs> I like wacky churches, right? Yeah, good. Now, I haven't met most of you before, so I ought to just quickly tell you who I am, all right? My name is Andrew Paul Bartholomew White. I'm called Canon White, so that means I'm either a loose cannon or a big shot. Take your pick. When I was little at school, my teacher said to me when I was nine, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I said, I want to be an anaesthetist and a priest. I don't suppose many of the children in my class had said they wanted to be an anaesthetist and a priest. Did any of you? No. What would you have said? The teacher said to me, you can't. You can only do one thing. You can't do two. And she said, you'd have a problem being a priest because you're a Pentecostal. And they don't have priests. Fair enough. I was reared in the Assemblies of God. They didn't have priests. So I went off to, when I grew up, I left school at 17, and I went over the river and trained at St. Thomas's Hospital. And I did my medical studies there, and then I qualified. It was quite funny. Do you know what my first book was called? The first book I wrote, I've written about 14 or 15 but the first one was called The Role of Trichloroethylene in Caesarean Sections. And people sometimes say to me, I've read all your books. Ah. 
And I was in Nottingham one day at Trent Vineyard, and there really was one person who had read my first book, because I did obstetrics. My postgraduate job was in Derby, and she was one of them up there. So, anyway, I trained over the water at St. Thomas's Hospital. You know that little hospital? the best and one day I was I'd given up about being the priest thing then I loved my work at St. Thomas's I run the cardiac arrest team there and one day I was just praising God standing by the Thames in the garden of the hospital saying, thank you, Lord, for sending me to where I always wanted to be. Thank you for giving me the best job in the world. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful Christian community that there is here. Thank you, Lord, for my wonderful community at St. Mark's Kennington. And then I remembered, it's good to thank God, but you need to say, what next? So I said, thank you for everything, Lord. What next? He said, I want you to go into the church and the Church of England. I said, Lord, they're not even all saved. <laughs> he said, I know, that's why I'm sending you. So I went off to Cambridge, to the vicar factory. <laughs> I did my Christian theology. It was so hard, so boring. So once I'd done what I had to do, I changed and did Judaism and did my... Third doc, second doctorate. First one was in surgery and aesthetics. Second one was in the role of Israel and Christian theology. And third one was on the role of the Baal Shem Tov in the Haskalah. as Yiddish. You won't understand that yet. If we could stay a bit longer, I could do some Yiddish with you, okay? So... I love my time in Cambridge, but it was really hard until I started doing my doctoral work. And then I went to Israel, and I became the first ever Goy. What's a Goy? Sorry? A non-Jew. Who said that? Whoever said that gets the first prize. <laughs> Open your mouth and go, ah! Oh. <laughs> yeah, Pastor. So, um, <laughs> it was wonderful. Being in Israel, I went to Yeshiva, the first Gentile ever to go to be a student at the ultra-Orthodox Jewish Yeshiva. I mean the Hasidic Jews, the guys with the big furry hats and long winglets. I've got a cold today, so I'm coughing a bit and sneezing, excuse me. So that was really good, being the first guy. And then one day, by then, I'd been made the youngest ever canon in the Church of England. And I was sent to Coventry. You only send people to Coventry who you don't like. But I couldn't start at Coventry Cathedral. Because I was too young. You have to be 33 to have a senior position in the Church of England. 
and I was only 32. So I had to wait a few months. So I was there, and then one day God said to me, Andrew, go to Iraq. I said, I work the other side of the Jordan. I don't go over the Jordan much. So I tried various ways to get into Iraq. This was in Saddam's day, and there was no way I was getting in. Do you know what the last thing I did? I got all my team together and prayed about it. You know, so often when we have problems, we think we can find the situation, the answer. But I needed to pray. The next day I had a fax from Tarek Aziz, who was the deputy of Saddam. And it said, come to my office next week on Thursday. So I did. And in those days, I was very much doing Iraq and Israel. The only person who was going backwards and forwards between the two. Who is under 15 here? You. You can have a pen then. Come on. How old are you? What school do you go to? St. John. Good school. What are you going to do afterwards? Go to Cambridge. Yeah? Don't go to the other place. It was really worrying. You have to press it three times. It was very worrying when I said to my son one day, Yossi, I said, what are you going to go and study? No, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go to... Well, actually, he said, I'm thinking of doing PPE, philosophy, politics, economics. You can only do that at Oxford. I didn't say anything. I asked him a while later... And fortunately, by then, he said, I'm going to go to Cambridge, and then I want to be Prime Minister. I said, I understand why you want to go to Cambridge, but why do you want to be Prime Minister? He said, we've never had a good one in our family. <laughs> the last one was no good, was he? And I said, no, he wasn't. It was Neville Chamberlain. <laughs> so, so he is now there. He did Mandarin first. Now he's changed to theology. But it's quite good. And he was in Israel with me last week. So that's my introduction. Now you know who I am. So, one side, my wife's side, was the Chamberlain side. And Joseph Chamberlain, who was the father of Neville Chamberlain, Theresa May says was the best politician Britain's ever had. He was really good. My other side, my grandfather worked for Smith Wigglesworth. And I have Smith Wigglesworth's Bible with all his notes and his anointing oil. And when I didn't know what to preach about sometimes, I used to pinch one of Smith Wigglesworth's sermons. <laughs> it was quite good. Anyway, now, 
It was very interesting meeting with your pastor, Rob. I like him. He's a good man. Not least because he lives where I used to live when I was a medical student in Camberwell. And not least because he had to have a liver transplant in the best hospital for liver transplants in the world, which is King's College. And King's College, I know it's not St. Thomas's, but my closest friend, who's the godfather to my children, he is a consultant hepatology and ethetist. So he probably put you to sleep. At King's. And he's also in the army. So he's a territorial army surgeon and a gas man at the liver hospital. So it's good. I was in Baghdad for many years. And my church in Baghdad, I didn't want to leave Israel and go there. It turned out to be the most amazing place ever. You know, the thing was that when you prayed for people to get healed, they got healed. When you prayed for the dead to come alive, they came alive. It makes it easier when that happens. It, it means there's less doubt and you know that it's real. So I was at Coventry still. And then there was this little war against Iraq in 2003. So from 2003, I spent most of my time in Iraq. I had a, a new assistant then. I had a good assistant. And I said to him one day, I said, Justin, I think I'm going to have to go there and stay there now. Will you take over from me? He said, yes, I can do that. His name's Justin Welby. He's the archbishop now. He was my assistant. It's fun when your assistant is suddenly your boss. <laughs> so he became my boss, and I went over there. Incredible things happen. I'll never forget one day when we didn't just have a uh, uh, church, we had six and a half thousand people. I reopened the church, I had nobody. It was interesting hearing you read those comments on those books by these various generals because they weren't just generals, they were spooks. They were kind of head of CIA, head of FBI, and all this kind of thing. And they all came to that opening service and I had a real sense that this was a work of God but we didn't just need to provide um, worship that was the most important thing we also had to provide health care education for relief I had clinics hospitals schools makes church more interesting when you've got a holistic ministry. One day a patient, a Muslim patient, came into the clinic and he said, Doctor, doctor, can you treat my daughter? She's so ill. And the doctor said, no. She's in the university hospital. We can't take people out of the hospital and treat them here. Just look at my watch. It doesn't mean anything looking at your watch. Uh, just see how long I've got. 
Anyway, I um, the doctor sent the man over to me, and I said to him, "I'm sorry, we can't treat your daughter." But I said, I know somebody who can. His name is Yeshua, Jesus in Aramaic. And I said, I want you to go back to the hospital now. And all the way there, keep saying Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. And when you get there, Jesus will heal her. He got there, but as he arrived, the doctor came out and said, Ahmed, I'm really sorry that when you were away, your daughter died. She had cystic fibrosis, and it was advanced. So he cried and cried, and he walked into her and saw her body laying on the bed. He threw his arms around her, and he said, Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. She sat up. And do you know what she said? She said, Daddy, I'm hungry. I want some food. So when he came and told me this, I said, don't worry, it's happened before. But that wasn't the only resurrection. That was the one I really liked. So then the things really became bad. Our people started leaving Baghdad because there was so much terrorism. So they went back to Mosul or Nineveh, all the Christians came from Nineveh. You know the place where a miserable evangelist went one day in a submarine? Yeah, well that got Christianity established, the man in the submarine. So they all went back there, and a group called ISIS decided to turn up. They had lost everything. And one of the things about terrorists is they have all lost something. And so these terrorists went into Bethlehem, to Nineveh, and they started killing our people. One day they went to some of the people. They went to a family. And they said, unless you say to the Father, unless you say you will follow Islam, we will kill all your children. He couldn't face his children being killed in front of him. He said, I will follow Islam. He didn't mean it. He still loved Jesus. The next day, Isis turned up again. They didn't ask the father this time. They said to the children, Will you follow Islam? Otherwise you're dead. And the children said, We will never follow Islam. We love Yeshua. Every day we talk to Yeshua. And every day he talks to us. So they shot them all dead. I cried. And I cried. And I cried. And I said, why, Lord, why? Don't we all have times? <coughs> Sorry. 
We all have times when there are so many, thank you very much, there are so many awful things that we do not know what to do. In Psalm 10 we read, why Lord, why? And I just said, why Lord, why? And some of my children in the church came to me the next day. And they all call me Daddy. And they said, Daddy, we know you're crying about the children. But it's all right, Daddy. Because we dreamt about them last night. And we saw them dancing in heaven with Jesus. But there have been times when everything has seemed so awful, and we've just said, why, Lord, why? We started a church in Jordan for the children in refugees from Baghdad and Nineveh. And all the children, I took them across Across from Bethlehem, from cradle to grave, cradle to resurrection. And I taught these children their cross, I gave them all a cross. And one little boy called Joseph started to cry. He said, I wanted a cross for my daddy. But Dash killed my daddy first. I said, Joseph, there's a cross for your daddy. And we will put it on the altar. And one day, your daddy will get it. I promise you. Whenever I'm leaving to come on trips like to here to the wacky church, I say to the children, what shall I tell the people in England or America or Israel or wherever I'm going? And they always say, tell them Jesus loves them. And say thank you to them for helping us have our school. A few months ago when I went back, I said to the children, I'm in class five. I said to the children in class five, what shall I tell them? And Joseph said, you know you've got to tell them that Jesus loves them. But I want to give you my cross now. And I want to give you my cross to give to them. So this is Joseph's cross. I want to give this cross to one person who I've never spoken to in my life. But I came in here this morning and I was so inspired by her. Casey, where are you? Have you run away? Has she run away? Casey, you are an inspiration to me. You're a great singer. I'm giving you Joseph's cross. Come nearer. I don't bite. Here we are, Casey. Casey, tell me about you. So you're a singer, Mm -hmm. and you're about to go big. Where do you live? What's your area? Uh, North London. Where? Enfield. Good Jewish area. Quite Jewish. Yeah. I didn't know that. Are your family from the Caribbean? My dad's family. From where? Jamaica, rice and peas and curry goat. You know about rice and peas and curry goat, you know, man. 
Yeah, if you're from Jamaica. Yeah, Jamaica, really good, man. You know, the only place I've been to is St. Kitts. St. Kitts is good, but Jamaica is best because the rice and peas in Jamaica and the curry goat, you know, man. You know, man, it really cool, isn't it, you know? I like you, Casey. Lord, I pray that your glory will fall upon Casey. Lord, I pray that you will inspire her, that you will anoint her, that me she might think she's working herself, but she's not, because you are with her, and you're not going to leave her. Casey, when you go and do your thing, take your cross. Take your cross with you. Casey, <laughs> come here again. I think you need one of my pens, don't you? Do you want one of my pens? Well, make sure it works. Oh, wow. Oh. Don't you love her? She's amazing. Right, now I will start my talk. (laughs) Romans chapter 8, verse 17, we read, The suffering of this present world is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to come. Yes, there has been terrible suffering. There has been terrible pain. My people have been killed. They have been sacrificed. But in this incredible chapter, Romans chapter 8 is one of the most profound chapters in Scripture. We read that the suffering that we're going through now is nothing compared to what is to come. Is nothing at all. Because what is coming is the glory of God. What is coming is the power of God. What is coming is the mystery of God. And that will transform all of us. But if you look in the couple of verses before that verse, you read that unless we suffer with Christ, we will not know the glory of Christ. And so we have to know the suffering of the cross to know the glory of the cross. Then we will be able to see the suffering of this present world isn't worthy to be compared with the glory that is to come. I'm being serious now. We can go to church and hear boring sermons, and there are lots of them in church. It's one of the reasons I agreed to go into the church because I was so fed up sitting in church listening to boring sermons. I thought, well, if I get ordained, I can be the one responsible. And if they're boring, it's my fault. 
So I hope I'm not boring. So we've got to know the suffering of Christ. You see, we all like the wacky, exciting things. We have seen the resurrections and the healings. But God tells us, unless you, unless you know the suffering of the cross, you will not know the glory of the cross. And all of us have known suffering. Every one of us. It's not just people like me who've got MS or the pastor who's got a new liver. All of us have suffered. Everybody. And we say, why, Lord, why? There are often not words to say. And the psalmist says, why? Why, Lord, why? Things can be so difficult. Who said why, Lord, why in the last six months? We've all had it hard, haven't we? And sometimes there are not great theological explanations of why. Sometimes there are no answers. Why did you have liver failure? Why is my brain and spinal cord no good? Do you know why? No! I don't know why! I've got no idea! I just say, why Lord, why? And the Lord says, the suffering that you're going through is nothing compared to the glory that is to come. Nothing. Such glory is waiting for you. And we've all got to believe and hold on to the fact that the greatness is coming. Do you know when it's coming? Do you know when the greatness is coming? I used to tell my children at church, and I told them at school, Jesus is coming soon. And do you know what the children say to me? He said that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and we're still waiting I like the old songs. So, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more crying there, we are going to see the King. No more crying there, we are going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are going to see the King. I'm always encouraged by some of the old-fashioned hymns. 
aren't you? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Uh, stop, stop, stop. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart today. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the truth of Paul's understanding down in my heart. Where? Well, I've got the truth that passes understanding down in, down in my heart today. Where's Casey? <laughs> Casey, where are you? She keeps running away. Look, I can't sing on my own. Casey, I can't really sing properly. So I want you to sing for me. Yeah. Is that right, man? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? And I'm so happy, so very happy. I got the Jesus in my heart. I'm so happy, so very happy. I got the Jesus. So very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, again, joy, 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 Right, sit down now. Casey, you can sit down for one minute. <laughs> Not for long. For the whole area, we pray that we may see the vision of Jesus. And we pray that even if he doesn't come very soon, we've been waiting such a long time, we pray that we will see his glory come soon. Every single day I've been in Iraq, I've seen angels. Real angels. And if you buy my books, you can see some of the pictures. I'm not telling you which ones. You've just got to, <laughs> just got to see. Our children are Christian children. And... The thing of the difference between 
being a so-called Christian here and a Christian in the Middle East, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian. You love Jesus. I've never seen one of our children who is not a real follower of Jesus. And I have to be honest, I'm not converted. I'm not a convert. Earliest thing I can ever remember being told was that Jesus loved me. And I've never doubted it once. Even when I was at Cambridge doing my theology, I never doubted it. Never doubted. All I've done is occasionally said, Why, Lord, why? And he said, I'm still here. You see, the book of Job, Job goes through such suffering and Job goes through such pain. And then he says something which forms my favorite verse in the whole of Scripture. Before I had heard of you, O Lord, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Yes, we had heard of the Lord, but now we have seen the Lord. We have heard of him, but now we have seen him. Lord, may you pour down your blessing upon us all. May your glory surround us. May you empower us. And may we, like Joe, be able to say, Before we have heard of you, Lord, but now we have seen you with our own eyes.